Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to our weekly Pirates chat. Andrew Destin here with Jason Mackey, who's reporting to you live from Southern California out in San Diego, coming off of uh, yesterday, Monday night's game uh, with the Pirates, of course, uh, kind of blending both youth and veteran leadership, kind of leading the way. Um, this is a team that, you know, we, we, we start off yesterday talking about what's the future of Mitch Keller? What's the future of David Bednar? Are these guys who are on the move? And instead, we're talking about first home run for Leo Verpagero, first career win for Quinn Priester. Just quite a 24 hours. How, how was that 24 <laughs> hours for you, Jason? Yeah, um, less than 24 hours, right? Like, right. you know, in the morning we're saying, oh, they're going to listen. They're going to listen. And I have my own feelings on that, that people follow me on Twitter probably saw. Um, and I, you know, I, I guess I can expound on them shortly. But that was a good one, man. I really thought that was an encouraging game from a Pirates standpoint. You saw a lot of stuff that if you're a Pirates fan, I think should be very encouraging to you. Um, not only Carlos Santana, I mean, that was the big storyline, but everything underneath it, Pagaro, you mentioned it, Quinn Priester, how he bounced back. I was encouraged by that. Carmen Majinski. Um, you know, a couple other guys had hits. Like Henry Davis was the only one. I was I was waiting for it. Davis's last at bat. I'm like, if Davis gets a hit, it's Davis, Triolo, Gonzalez, Pagaro. Um, I forget the one, uh, Andy Rodriguez had a single. Like that was going to be a clean sweep by their young guys, and they didn't. They didn't do it, but to dial it back to the Heyman stuff, man, like that was, they're going to listen. They're going to listen on David Bednar and Mitch Keller. Okay, great. We, we know that we know that because Ben Charrington has said since he's gotten here, it's his job to listen on everybody. So I tried to point that out that it's not necessarily news. Now the legitimacy of their listening, I suppose is something like, are they listening with the intent to trade? either of those guys, I highly doubt it. I really do, Andrew. That doesn't make any sense to me. You know, they, and, and I don't want to hog the spotlight here, but I mean, they, they've wanted to be competitive this season. They've fallen short of that fall in a 28, 20 and eight start. Um, I know a lot of people in the organization are not happy with that. That's not a grand statement, but you're not going to get to your end any better, any quicker, any more efficiently by trading your two best players. Like it's on them to listen Sure, but my goodness, does that not make sense? Yeah, no, oh, I, I agree with you in the sense of it would be one thing if we're having this conversation about Bednar and Keller and say, put those guys in the position the team was in 2021, right? If you're thinking, okay, right. we're, we're two, three years away from actually being competitive. But if right. this plan or this project, whatever term you want to give it, if it goes according to said plan and next year is the actually competitive one that you are hopeful that this year would be closer to being, if next year is okay, Roll the young guys out there. 
get more arms up here, whether that's a Jared Jones, if Mike Burroughs is healthy, like if you get these more arms back into the mix and you're able to compete in that regard and you feel good about who you got as position players, then why would you trade away a Keller? Why would you trade away a Bednar? Because it's not like they're expiring contracts. It's not like these are guys you lose club control over. That's what makes them coveted commodities, right? Because Bednar, you got a few years left. Keller, you got a few years left. Roll with them. See what you got. Now, if next year you find out, okay, this cast isn't what we thought it would be in terms of the arms, if the position players are coming up a little short, maybe we revisit that idea in 12 months' time. But for now, I, I see no urgency. There shouldn't be any urgency. You have to be so overwhelmed by any offer to move off of these guys, right? Right. But to get the offer, you have to listen, which is yeah. why it's stupid to make something more of this than, than it is. Like, the, you're, of course you're going to listen. Of course. <laughs> Somebody might get desperate and pay something stupid for a closer. They might. I, it's highly unlikely, but it is possible. And if Charrington would get, like, I, I was on 93.7 The Fan, and, and Andrew Filippone threw out a hypothetical to me, which I never see this happening. But he said something, some package centered around two top 100 picks and one's in the top 50. Like, okay, if that package comes along, I'd be okay with that. But anything short of a deal where you can poke holes in it or you say, why the heck did we trade David Bednar? Don't do it. Don't do it. They're not going to do it. Uh, like Yes, next year was kind of the one where they had circled, we should be competitive. We should be good. And I don't know how to feel about that. You know, the post-20-8 start just hasn't been good. And, you know, last night was an encouraging game, so I think it's sort of dulled some of that frustration. And who knows? Maybe they finish the season really strong and finish with a win total in the mid-70s. I'm starting, you know, I, I'm a fair bit skeptical of that at some point I've maintained that I wasn't but I mean the wins just have not come how do you how do you deviate from that plan to the tune of trading those two guys because and we'll we'll talk about this too like I do think it makes sense to trade Santana it makes sense to trade Hill it makes this this is a lost season it makes sense to mortgage those assets into other things and you know, don't tell me, oh, these guys have had such a positive influence and you can't possibly remove them from the clubhouse. Look at where things have gone with those guys around. That's not to say they haven't helped because they have. But what are we clinging to here? And I think as last night demonstrated, at least with Carlos Santana, he can play. He's going to have value. He's going to go somewhere. I think Rich Hill starting tonight, he could have value. I Shoot, I think there's a chance they could trade Austin Hedges and G-Man Choi. I think they could get something for those guys. Probably not much, but again, if I'm Ben Sherrington, I'm looking at guys on expiring contracts and completely fine getting whatever I can for them. Yeah, and and to that point, too, you bring up just on the Santana front of what he brought to the clubhouse presence earlier in the year. You know, this is not to, you know, point out anything to say, oh, there's no longer value, but like, Let's call a spade a spade. O'Neill Cruz has been hurt since April, and Rodolfo Castro's in AAA. Those were yep. two guys that you go back to spring training. He was mentoring pretty closely, you know. So there, there might yeah. there's still some veteran leadership elements to the clubhouse. Certainly, and that's with him. That's with Hill. That's with Hedges. That's with any of these guys. But like diminishing returns is the word that the phrase that comes to mind with me because it's like, well, there's only so much time left in the season. Some of these guys aren't even here anymore. That they were projected to be key parts of the lineup, or at least. We thought they had a potential to be that. Cruz isn't coming back for a month. Santana had, showed a hot bat yesterday and has played good defense all year. It's like, well, what are you sticking yeah. to, right? It just Yeah, and I mean, I, O'Neal Cruz is a grown man. O'Neal Cruz yeah. is a dad. He's a husband. Like, 
he doesn't need a, somebody to hold him, hold his hand around the clubhouse. Like he's fine. He, need, he, need, he needs a healthy ankle and he needs to hit left-handers and hit off speed pitching. And he started to and play good defense. And he started to do that before he got hurt. Um, I, you know, I think that stuff's important. Like, I don't think it's a bad thing to have a veteran around. And especially with the season that Cruz was walking into where, you know, he didn't have a ton of experience. Anytime you have a, a young team collectively, it's nice to have some guys who have been there before. And that's what Santana did and brought. And he positively influenced other teams he's been on. But we're past that right now, really. I mean, the other input into the argument is what we're talking about. Is he going to fetch return? He's been the best defensive first baseman in baseball. You saw it last night with two various plays. He plays every day, keeps himself in great shape, hits from both sides of the plate. He's gotten to more power, kind of a slow start. He's had some weird dips to his season, but you know, you brought this up maybe last week, Andrew, or maybe us talking privately. I, I know I expressed some doubts like his, his numbers, are they good enough to get you know, to get something there. And you're like, well, he got traded last year with much worse numbers. And it's a very good point. It's a very good point. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he's improved over what he did last year. Seattle still could use him. I still yeah. think he wants the Mariners. I don't think that, that that's the dumbest thing in the world. I think both parties would probably be really happy. And the Pirates last year for him with worse numbers, again, got, or not the Pirates, but the Kansas City Royals got two minor league pitchers. Like, I think the Pirates would be thrilled with that. Yeah, absolutely. See what you get with them. And the same goes to, you know, G-Man Choi and Austin Hedges. If you trade each of them and get a low-level minor league pitcher who's, you know, high upside but maybe pretty far down the rungs and not highly perceived, it's like just stockpile talent with these guys, right? Yep. They're expiring contracts. Why not give it a shot? So um, I guess – yeah, go for it. Like I really do think they can trade Hedges. Did we talk about that? We might have talked about this last week, but I, yeah. I just there's nothing I've seen that that throws me off of that scent. Choi is probably the one if I had to rank them, I would worry about the most. But if they keep playing him three homers in his last seven games, somebody could see that and I think really could take a choice on take a chance on him. I I don't love the salary. It's like four point six and some change, something like that. That might make it difficult. And I mean Hedges is at five. But this guy really has been a good defensive catcher. I know people don't want to hear that in Pittsburgh, but I, I don't care. If you have a better offensive team where his bat doesn't matter, and it you know, clearly matters on this team because every spot you need to get something out of it, you also have two young guys you should be playing. But for a team that doesn't have to care about that stuff, there's some value there. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, no, you're good. And that goes to the point I was going to say. It's it's like totally in line with why Hedges should be perceived as probably a little bit higher of a trade chip than Choi. Just because with Choi, like, I mean, we know what he does defensively at first. That's quite in stark contrast to Carlos Santana. Um, <laughs> so that's pretty much you're only playing him at DH. You're only having him at DH. And Hedges at least gives you that defensive versatility. With Choi, the concern there is, okay, this is a guy who missed close to three months with injury. The bat has heated up now, but it's a very small sample size. Like, he doesn't give you a lot on defense. You're pretty much banking on a team that wants to plug in a guy at least – part-time at DH as a left-handed only bat who's never going to face left-handed pitching. I mean, I'm sure there's a market for that, but it can't be a big one. I got to believe that there's probably a bigger market for a defensive-minded catcher who at least is your backup, right? I mean, yeah. am I wrong there, right? <laughs> I mean, 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Look, they both have warts. We're not, yeah. it, let's be honest here. I mean, you know, yeah. Hedges can't hit. We've seen enough of that, that he's not going to add much offensively. But, you know, it, I've used the argument he caught for the Guardians last year and was very good for them. He didn't crush that team. Why Why all of a sudden is he crushing this one offensively? You know, there was all this outcry too about, why is Austin Hedges playing? It's so terrible. He's bringing down so many things. They've been the same team without him. You know, they really have. Like, they're, they're just, yeah. there's not enough there in other areas. And, and we sort of knew that. But I don't think that makes him a bad defensive catcher. And, I mean, you can go onto baseball savant and I, I did this and look at some metrics that would paint Austin Hedges theoretically as the best defensive player in baseball. Now I think that's crazy because I watched it with my own two eyes and that's not a fair assessment, but is he better defensively than I think a lot of people want to give him credit for? Yes, I do. Um, fielding run value is a stat on there and he is literally number one in major league baseball. If Key Brian Hayes did that, or Carlos Santana did that, or Brian Run, or any pirate did that other than Austin Hedges, people would be on a crusade about get this guy a gold glove and all that. You know, he's our our defensive fill in the blank. And, you know, it, but with Austin Hedges, somebody's just going to make a remark about his batting average or how much they overvalue pitch framing, which I get it to a degree. Like he's the wrong catcher for this team. He shouldn't be playing over Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis. And they're doing themselves so many the lack of, you know, whatever the opposite of favors is by by the way they handled this situation. But again, yeah. it doesn't make Hedges a bad defensive player. No, and it, it, it's funny you bring all that up because that kind of piques my interest of uh, kind of asking you. I haven't even talked about this with you either on the show or away from it, just about um, how you what, what do you make of Andy Rodriguez now that we're, I think it's seven games into the, the Rodriguez experiment behind the plate? I mean, I know. Everyone's talking about him gunning down Ha Seong Kim last night, and that was a mm-hmm. special, special play. But first two games, maybe there were some doubts, some some mistakes he was making there behind the plate. What have you kind of seen uh, there on on the scene uh, in Los Angeles and now in San Diego? What have you seen in terms of improvement from him? I like it, man. I really do. I like it. I've seen improvement with him. Um, his first game, he was setting up very early, and and I think we talked about this, and and already. Like he's handling that part of it better. Um, I'm seeing how much work he's putting into the defensive side and learning about pitchers. I think we're seeing very noticeably how he interacts with them and handles the staff. I really like that. There was one game, what was it, the the last game in Anaheim where he's gesturing. I'm going off memory at this point. May may have been Jose Hernandez, but like the calm down, calm down kind of thing. He's all fired with David Bednar. And uh, he moves extremely well. 
bat there. And I, you know, we've seen um, pass ball, a couple wild pitches, like whatever. I don't, I don't get riled up over that stuff. Like I want him to be making those mistakes. He's going to learn. He's a young kid. Like that's, that's unfair. The arm, as you said, is real. That's been really impressive. Um, not that I had any doubt. Um, it's been more accurate than I thought it would probably be the bat. It, it's coming around. It's fine. Like, Andy is everything that I thought he would be and how I thought he would fare. It's just, you know, what, what categories have gone, which way Um, I think this kid's going to be really good. And I think it's going to take just some getting used to the major league game. And and we've seen that. I don't, I still don't understand why they're not catching Henry at all. Um, You know, maybe they view him just as and this might be worth asking at some point, like, is he just a right fielder? Is he just an outfielder? He's going to play every day, and that's what they'd rather see and, and leave the catching to Andy. I don't know, but um, it's that that's the only part of this that I don't like or understand. What about you? Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm i right there in the same camp with you and a lot of that about Andy. Um, I kind of want to tangent off of the dovetail off the point you made there about, about Henry because um, I, I'm with you in the sense of, okay, well, what's the plan here in terms of him with catching? But I would really – I would enjoy for the Pirates' sake that – it would be foolish, I think, to move him off anywhere besides right field. And that's not to say that he's, you know, lit the world on fire there. But, you know, you and I have talked about this. His best tool defensively is probably the arm, right? Yep. It's, you know, he has a cannon for an arm. And I've seen people talk about, you know, well, maybe they need to, over the, the winter, they need to move him to first base because, and that's the reason I bring this up is because we're talking about, you know, moving Carlos Santana, moving G-Man Choi, like, what do you do about that first base hole? You and I have talked about if that's Jared Triolo's spot when Cabrian Hayes come back. Like, how do the Pirates handle first base? And to me, I think it would be such a disservice to put Henry there. I mean, mate, I could see them doing it. I, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. But to me, if 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 Henry is not a catcher, which the franchise has essentially said just based off of his 30-plus games here in the big leagues, like, you have to see what you have with him in terms of right field because otherwise you're wasting an arm, right? And – you're wasting it even more so if that's as a designated hitter, which could also be in his future. But um, to me, it, <laughs> if he's not catching, he's got to be showing off the arm somewhere. I feel like it has to be right field, and I'd be you know, pretty surprised, or I, I guess it wouldn't be my plan if they were to put him at first or really hone in on him just being a DH. Where did the first base stuff come from? Why are we putting Henry <laughs> Davis at first base? <laughs> well, somebody's got to go to first base, right, Jason? Yeah, but why are we putting him there? Why, why is he in a third position? somebody is out there and I thought for a second it was you and maybe it's not somebody is out there talking about Henry Davis at first base because I keep getting asked about it and I don't understand it I'm not putting it out there I'm gladly not putting it out there oh man (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand that I don't he hasn't taken a ground ball I've never seen Henry Davis take a ground I've never seen him work at first base I mean maybe he has and I missed it maybe he has and I wasn't around I don't know but I, I've never seen the guy work at first base. I think if you put him in right field and you give him time and, and have some patience, I think he's going to be fine. Like the amount of things that this guy was motivated to do and hasn't done is very small. I don't know if there's any, like anything that he's ever put his mind to. I'm not sure he hasn't eventually figured it out. He'll, he'll get there. Um, it's incredibly harsh. And I'm guilty of this. I think we all are of, you know, pointing out like mistakes he made in right field. He's played the position for 15 minutes. He's going to make mistakes. And if you watch the mistakes he makes, they're all nuanced to outfield. How does a ball 
go off the wall? Where do you position yourself? Picking the ball up on a ground ball and trying to throw quickly, transfer transferring to your throwing hand. Like he doesn't make mistakes because he's like loafing or, or you know not plugged in mentally or something. It's just literally because the position is brand new to him. And I wouldn't I wouldn't unplug that and just all of a sudden throw him over at first base. I also hate the idea of putting someone at first base with one of the probably two best arms of any position player on the team. I just, I, you know, I hear O'Neill Cruz going to first base, you know, speculation surrounding that. And I, I push back the same way. This doesn't make sense to me. I also wouldn't take that away from O'Neill because he's worked really hard on his defense. But with Henry, the only other position I would see him moving to or would want to see him move to is catcher. Now I want to, I want to see what he can do back there. If he stinks, let him stink. I mean, he's not going to ruin the world series chase. I guarantee you that. Um, and, and if he, I, I feel like that's an easier conversation. Like if you give me a chance to try something, maybe it's in journalism or whatever, and I can't get the job done and I'm insistent that I can, but then I do it and then I stink at it. Boy, I'm going to shut up then. Right. Not that Henry's chirping in anybody's ear. It's just, sure. you know, it's a lot easier to understand if you're given a chance to try something and you can't do it. Right. And, and just a, a final point on that one, too, would be like, let's fast forward to past the trade deadline or past, you know, into the 2024 season. If they decide, OK, we're going to not give Henry those reps and instead keep having him play on right field, which I suppose is fine. Like, what's your plan for what's your catching tandem? Right. Like, is it yeah. J- is it Jason Delay again? Which if it is, that's OK. It's just like it's fine. That- if Jason Delay is your backup, whatever. Yeah. But it's well, like. That's the conversation, right? You have to decide for yourself, do we want to do this master plan of if there's seven games in a week, Andy catches five of them and and Henry two, or is it Andy's catching five, Delay's catching two, and Henry's a right fielder full-time, and you've basically said you've closed the door on that chapter, right? right. So th- that's I think that's the intriguing no, part of what happens. I don't think there's anything happens. wrong with that, Andrew. I don't no. think there's anything If that's what it turns out, so be it. Yeah. It's more so just stay tuned, I guess, for the next week. What happens after – the trade deadline. If Hedges gets moved, if he does, then we'll find out really soon. But if not, then I guess yeah. we're kind of waiting in limbo. But I oh, think well. there's too much stock put into who plays first base. I do. Yeah. I, I just I think there are guys you can put there if you want. Um, I think right now we'd probably both agree that Andy hasn't done anything to be moved off the catching position. But but if he does, if that doesn't go well, first base is an option for him. I think Jared Triolo can move over there very easily. I'm not punting on Malcolm Nunez as a prospect. Um, he's working his way back from a shoulder impingement. If he gets back to AAA and starts hitting, he's going to get an opportunity. You can find a place to put somebody, man. You really can. I, you know, you can teach him how to play first base. I'm not that worried about it. So, you know, and worst comes to worst, maybe they sign somebody. You know, that's a good time to get a veteran who's going to add some pop into your lineup, and and they can figure it out that way. But I, I just, you know, I, I would much rather get Henry Davis in a spot where he can be Henry Davis than try to shoehorn in something because of need at that position. Yeah. Well, lots to talk about on those young guys of what we're going to see after the trade deadline, or even just in the foreseeable future, what we're going to get from them. Um, before, we, before we head off here, I guess that kind of goes segues into this next topic of um, performances that we need to see improve after the break. Um, and they're bringing that up just in the sense of, you know, what the composition of this team is going to look like after the deadline Obviously, there's a lot in flux just based on the guys that we've talked about. But with some of the constants that we know, the ones who are pretty much all but guaranteed to stay here in Pittsburgh, whether that's a Jack Swinski, Brian Reynolds, Brian Hayes, theoretically, like some of these, you know, obviously banged up. But 
those names that kind of come to mind, the constants who are here in Pittsburgh. What are you kind of looking for? What are some things that pique your interest, Jason? Yes, 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 and yes on the performances <laughs> that – well, okay, I, sh- I shouldn't say Sawinski needs to improve. I, I wish they would use Jack a little bit differently. But, um, yeah, I mean, you, you they need to see Key Brian Hayes back healthy and productive. That hasn't been good enough. I do get the sense that he's going to be back this season and be back rather soon. I know I talked to him the last day before we went out on the road. And I mean, dude's dripping with sweat, like eager to get back, um, you know, doing a lot of stuff to try to get back. The, the back issue, frankly, concerns me a little bit, but I do think he'll be back. Brian Reynolds talked to him in Anaheim about some of his troubles. I wrote that piece and it, I, I, I don't totally understand it, Andrew. I really don't. And, you know, guys hitting the ball hard. He's not chasing, making a good amount of contact. Hasn't hit the fastball as well as he typically does. He's been kind of babbipped into not-so-good territory. I do think, and I said this to Brian, then he uh, homered and had a couple hit. Like, his at-bats have been better. That I think it's going to turn around in short order, and I really do. Um, so that's something uh, probably the most concerning for me at this point has been Mitch Keller. Um, I think 551 ERA over his past 11, if memory serves, and – um, I definitely want to see him get back to the way he was. Um, don't love the pitch mix, like getting away from softer stuff, going too heavy. Like there, there needs to be a little bit more of an even split there. Uh, and the last one is just Jack Sawinski. Before I turn this over to you, I want to hear what you have to say about it as well. I, I think Jack should be playing every day. I'd like to see Jack play every day. Um, they, they tend to sit him against lefties. I, I get that. I think, but sooner or later, you need to just take the training wheels off and let the kid go and see see what he can do. I think he's earned it. Like he's done enough writ large on his season that like I can I can say, you know what, man, just just hit everybody, hit everybody from here until the end of the season. We'll see where the splits fall and we'll reevaluate it then. But I guy's got what twenty one homers, yeah, a ton of power. Like I think you just need to let him play every day. Is my opinion. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I have a couple more I'd like to get into as well, but just on the Sawinski talk too, it's, there's also the point of, Hey, he's a above average defender in center, which we were, you know, a little bit skeptical of maybe in March or beginning of April when they were kind of switching over the reins between him and Brian, that's gone well. So when you take him out of the lineup, that also impacts your defense because now it's Brian Reynolds in center or, you know, because now longer, you no longer have Josh Palacios here, right? Like you're, mixing and matching a little bit more your outfield defense takes a turn for the worse. Like I think that's, that's worth bringing up as well is that if Swinsky can just provide you adequate offense, which maybe it's not above average, like it is against righties, that's still beneficial because he's in center and he's played a very good center field this year. But, um, but I guess on that point too, um, I'm curious, what do you have with Connor Joe? Cause I mean, we saw in April what he gave you. I, I don't know if he's a, a keeper guy. Is this somebody that you think is part of your future? Is he, I know he's club controllable for the next few years, but the way he's kind of fallen off after that st- strong start, that kind of comes to mind with me. Uh, um, you know, what do you have with him? And then what do you have with the rotation at large? Um, I think this is a really important stretch. Johan's been sticking in the rotation all year. I'm not saying he's getting pulled out or anything like that, but I bring that up because this is a chance for him to really cement himself as, hey, I'm deserving of a spot in the rotation come spring training 2024. There are guys mm-hmm. who are going to be coming back from injuries. Roe could very well figure himself out. Luis could figure himself out if he, you know, doesn't go into some bullpen role or something like that, which I personally think he might be better suited for. But like, yeah. all of a sudden, that rotation is going to get a lot more crowded really soon. So this is an opportunity for Oviedo to really cement things. 
And I guess on that note is, do we see Contreras again at some point in the next 60 games? Do we see Ortiz come back up? I'm not convinced of that, but if they do, that's a huge opportunity for them as well. So not guys currently on the MLB roster, but with Joe, I'm curious what you get there in terms of uh, the rest of the year, because this is an opportunity. Otherwise, you can see the team go out and get some more outfield help uh, over the offseason or turn to some more young guys down the stretch here. And I think yeah. the rotation is still very much a big question outside of just Mitch and, uh, you know, if Rich ends up staying here or not. Yeah, that's completely fair. And I don't know what to make of Connor Joe, Andrew. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't dislike having him on the roster. I like I, I, I think Connor Joe's a solid player. He's a very nice man. Um, I think there's a possibility that he could be dealt, not for anything major, but I think another team could maybe see that and see – if we give him a little bit more playing time, what he can produce, I think it helps his value that he's able to play first base, both corner outfield spots. He doesn't do anything stupid. You know, he's going to give you a professional bat, professional time in the field. I like that. He's a no, no nonsense type of personality in the clubhouse. Like, you know, well liked by everybody. There's no issues there. He works cheap, that whole deal. So, I mean, maybe somebody sees him as a depth improvement hits left-handers. Well, um, yeah. That would be something, but you know, does he fit into their future? I don't, I don't necessarily see that, you know, it's going to be Reynolds, Sawinski, Henry at this point in the outfield is based on what I've seen. And, you know, you've still got some outfielders at triple a, you may have guys that you're trying to shoehorn and find a position for maybe one of them goes out there as well into more of a rotation. I don't know, but you know, there, I think ideally you'd probably like Andrew McCutcheon to play out there. I think that was their intent for him to play more outfield. And then at that point, you're you're having Connor Joe here as the fifth outfielder. So I, I don't see a clear path. Um, it's not like I'm going to DFA Connor Joe. I don't think no, that's that, yeah. he's at, at minimum an extremely valuable bench player. But yeah, somebody maybe they could they could keep around for that reason. Um, rotation wise, I have some questions. Certainly, I think anybody should have some questions. I, I do see Oviedo as part of this thing. I I like him a lot. I like his mentality. I like his repertoire. Like I. He, he's learning. I think he's a very mature guy. He comes off as very mature. He, he handles himself by and large very well. And I think we forget that he's still kind of young too. And, you know, let him do what he's doing and grow the way he's growing. And, and he can look dominant one outing and then not so much the next. And I just think you got to kind of live with it as he grows up a little bit, but I'm not punting on that at all. I think Ortiz goes into a bullpen role. I agree with you there. I, I just two pitch guy, his velocity. I want him to just rip it. I want him to throw a hundred sinker slide or not. I'd actually prefer the four seamer, but you know, whatever gets him comfortable. I'm good with it. And then, yes, I think we do see road this season. I think he fixes it. I still see Rowanzi as an important part of the rotation. I really do. And I think, you know, next year, maybe at this time, you should be looking at Keller, Skeens, Priester, Rowanzi, Oviedo. If that's your rotation, maybe you add somebody. I think Burroughs could be in there at that point. Maybe Brubaker, I don't know. But, I mean, they they should theoretically have more options. Yeah, it's a lot to stay tuned for. And it's, uh, it's a lot of arms entering back into the fold. It's a lot to keep t- tabs on. And, uh, yeah, there, there's certainly worth monitoring just ahead of the deadline. But there, there's stories after August 1st that are maybe more worth keeping up with than the record would initially show. But, uh, but yeah. Lots to talk about here in Pirates Land. Anything we're forgetting, Jason, or uh, do I let you get back back out to the California sun? <laughs> <laughs> back out to the California sun. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think we're good. I think we're good. Cool. I got to go enjoy some breakfast in San Diego somewhere, Andrew. 
Oh, we'll say Stupid hi to the Marine time, Lair. Time differences. What's that? <laughs> I was going to say, say hi to the Marine Lair for me. I see it outside your window, a little fogged up right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I love awesome. this place. Oh, it's the best. Well, well, that's all the time that we have for today's breakdown of latest in Pirates baseball. Be sure to hit the like button, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and stay updated with our latest content. If you haven't already, check out the subscription deal in the description. $6, six months of access. There's plenty of sports news to keep up with, and you don't want to miss it. Thanks for your time, and we will see you all next time. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you liked the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you enjoyed it on Apple Podcasts, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down in the description.